What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Urban Alchemy Podcast, brought to you by the Pitch Podcast Network, the number one destination for pop culture, news, and entertainment. I'm Eric Hawthorne. And I'm Jane Banks. And we want to give a very special shout out to our listeners, and we appreciate your continued support. First, in order to keep up with us, please take a moment to like, subscribe, and share the show. Also, for our Facebook users, search Urban Alchemy on Facebook and join the community. It's interactive, growing, and you'll be able to receive the most up-to-date information on the podcast and what we're doing here in the Kansas City area. Man, uh, I don't know about you, bro, but I'm getting tired of the rain. Yeah, I'm, I, I was ex- actually trying to use this this extra day to go out and do some writing. I was going to go out into the world and find a nice, beautiful place to do some writing in nature. And, and of course, if it's cloud, yesterday, it was, it was okay. It was all right. right. It would have been the perfect day, but I was... Mm-hmm. Sitting around here trying to get stuff together for these uh, Father's Day gift baskets we're raffling off for the Village KC. Mm-hmm. And yeah, unfortunately, I wasn't able to do that. I was going to do that today. But the rain said, you know what? No, you're not. No, you're not, brother. Sit down. Yeah, I mean, the rain has had me sleepy. I've <laughs> just been doing a lot of lounging around and whatnot. It's really yeah. you know, kind of taking a toll on me at this point. Yeah, and what a better time to kick off our our Tim Burton, because this is like the prime. Like I love to watch Tim Burton movies in like October because of the. Right. It's like all of his movies are set in October, constant October. Right, right, definitely. I mean, there's definitely a feel that comes yeah. with a Tim Burton film, and I think you know today, you know, we're going to get into Batman, right? Batman '89. Yep, Batman '89, as it is affectionately called by the modern nerd community, but, you know, Batman 89 was not always a beloved film. We got to think, it's been a few iterations since then. (laughs) Like, uh, we have to differentiate now. Like, there's the Nolan Batman, there's the the DCEU Batman, the animated Batman, which has has become a a category of itself, the the Batman animated. Like, people consider the um, uh, Mark Hamill Joker just as synonymous with the live action Joker, right, right. just like uh, Kevin Conroy is put up there with Ben Affleck and, and, and Christian right. Bale and Absolutely. all the other uh, Schumacher Batman, <laughs> all the Schumacher Val Kilmer. And, uh, I literally Mark cannot think Val Kilmer. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, but you know, we're excited to talk about some Tim Burton films coming up. Uh, and we're going to kick things off with uh, Batman '89. But what is your favorite Tim Burton? That's a tough one because, of course, Batman 89 was just that movie that we grew up with. And it was just like so over the top. It was just like a cartoon put on film, like Who Framed Roger Rabbit or something. Yeah, it was a dark, darker cartoon, you would say. Super dark. Uh, But that's but also you have your Edward Scissorhands where it's just Mm -hmm. like something you've never seen, like these big fantastical set pieces. Uh, But. Yeah, Tim Burton. I would I would have to say Batman '89 is the favorite one. Okay, okay, that's why I was just like, that's the go to one because uh, originally we had said we we're going to do uh, Scissor Hands starting right. off, but it, it dawned on me I haven't had a chance to sit down and really rewatch it since we last recorded, and I, I cannot talk about that right mm-hmm. off the top of my head. Batman '89, I could go through in my head. Yeah, I mean we've seen it so many times growing up and you know i'm sure you probably have watched it within the last couple of years so, oh yeah you know, it, it's a movie that definitely uh sticks in your mind um you know you just kind of need a slight refresher over scene by scene but you know it, 
it's just a great film. Yeah. Also, now I think about the the Nightmare Before Christmas had a big, big part of my childhood. Just such a weird, out of left field type of movie. Right. That I was just like blown away by. Yeah. uh, The Nightmare Before Christmas is one of those films that has an oddly dark poetic beauty to it. Yeah. Uh, Just from the songs to the, you know, stop motion animation. I know he had tried to, you know, kind of uh, bring that back with Caroline, but I think the film is called Caroline, but it's not the same, you know, feel as The Nightmare Before Christmas. That's just something that it's a film that can be watched either at Christmas time or Halloween. Halloween. I mean, it's just a really great film. And I know a lot of people don't want to give Tim Burton director credit for that film because I think he was doing... uh, Batman Returns or something at the time. But let's be honest, the person calling the shots on this film is Tim Burton. I know he's listed as a producer, but yeah. it's definitely His all fingerprints Burton. are all over. <laughs> right, right. It's, and yeah, he has so many um, facets as, as, I, as I just sit and go through his list, like uh, James and the Giant Peach. Which is a, I think he did. He was a producer. He was a producer, but it's definitely in the Burton right. sense of that animated like he had a whole style of animation almost right. that could be attributed to him. And uh, actually, I think my guilty pleasure for him was probably Sleepy Hollow. Okay. Yeah, I really don't particularly care for Sleepy I Hollow. I know, a lot of people don't, but I it's don't. just such a kooky, dark, gory, it's, it's, it's pure burden to me. Like right. It's straight it, that, up that is pure burden. On the edge of horror and comedy, sort of. Like, eerie. I, I will tell you my favorite, and that is Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Oh, good. Yeah, that's actually uh, one of my older brother's favorite. It's one of the, it's just a great film, okay? You know, it's a film that I grew up on watching as a kid, but then I actually talked to my mother probably about a year or two ago because I rewatched it. I said, this is absolutely not child appropriate. No, no, not at all. (laughs) Not at all. So much adult humor in it that, you know, just went over my head as a kid. But I really love Pee-wee's Big Adventure. And I just want to say this. I kind of touched on it a little bit last time, just talking about Tim Burton's style. Like, he really brings a lightheartedness to dark content. And so Pee-wee's Big Adventure, uh, lighthearted, dark, beautiful. Uh, Big Fish, lighthearted, dark, beautiful. Edward Scissorhands. Sweeney Todd. Yep, Sweeney Todd as well. So, you know... He really has a way of bringing out the beauty in just grim material. Yeah, absolutely. He, yeah, it's it's dark and ominous and eerie, but it's whimsical. It's like yeah, yeah. very light and airy in tone because he owns that type of atmosphere. Well, he, he did. built it. He did. Okay, time. okay. And yeah, he kind of did. Then we get to his like, uh, I guess your. Uh, I'd say he got high on Johnny Depp, and then yeah. it became. Uh, I'd say after Sweet, what was it? Uh, Alice in Wonderland. And then and he did Charlie, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I think Charlie and Chocolate Factory is where I was like, you know what? I don't really like this. It, it was kind of, I want to say almost mean spirited in the it, in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Yeah. There wasn't the. I, and I understand that's what <laughs> Willy Wonka was supposed to really be, but at the same time, it just, it, it, I don't know, it didn't work for me. No, no, it was, it was almost too. I wouldn't say manufactured. It was mm-hmm. especially having it already be built off of the 
classic. You know, we we, we grew up with with Blue Gene Wonka. Wilder, yeah, yeah, just that epic. And then you replace that with with Johnny Depp pretending to be Michael Jackson, and it's like, where do we go from here? Yeah. So basically, with uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, which is the Tim Burton adaptation, mm-hmm. what you see is, uh, you know, uh, Willy Wonka being kind of cruel and mean throughout the entire film. child murderer. Yeah, but the only time you see Gene Wilder do that is really at the end of the film where he's so angry with Charlie yeah, yeah. Uh, for taking the everlasting gobstopper or whatever. Yeah. Um, but that was really it. I mean, he was kind of a little bit creepy when they went through the tunnel and everything, but <laughs> Johnny Depp basically had that performance at as Gene Wilder had at the ending scene throughout the entire movie. And it was just kind of like, eh, you know, I'm not really, this it doesn't really work for me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, 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 I don't know. I think that's where he probably loses his steam is when he goes up against something like, like Alice in Wonderland, mm-hmm. who, that's already this over the top, uh, technicolor right. wonder, you know, masterpiece. And then he tries to put his Tim Burton spin on it. And it's just like, okay, now it's just, like you're making it for a child's audience, but you're doing it from a, a adult prism. So right. I don't think it connected like it should have, because like kids are probably looking at the screen like what's going on, and adults are looking at the screen like mm-hmm. what's going on, and only Tim Burton's looking at the screen like this is a masterpiece. <laughs> well, yeah, I will definitely say that I I agree with you because the last Tim Burton film that I watched was the Dumbo live action remake, and I really did not care about that. I, I could tell that Michael Keaton's role, he really wanted Johnny Depp to be in, mm. and it just did not work out for me. Uh, but, you know, say la vie, you know, <laughs> you know, we will be talking about the Tim Burton of old, and so we're going to kick things off today with Batman 89. And this film stars Michael Keaton, Jack dun, Nicholson. Dun, 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 yes, the iconic Danny Elfman score that made itself made its way into the uh, animated series. Yeah, yeah. beautiful, beautiful. Um, but starring Billy D. Williams, Kim Basinger. Did you know that they were originally wanting Mel Gibson, Tom Selleck, to be the in the role as Bruce uh, in the, be in the role of Bruce Wayne? No, no. Not but Mel did Gibson? you did you know? That they wanted Bill Murray to be Bruce Wayne. Could you imagine that? Bill Murray. Bill Murray. Comedic actor. Well, Michael Keaton was a comedic actor. You got to remember, he was known for his comedy back then. But he was still, he looks like a regular man. I can't, (laughs) Bill Murray just looks like your uncle. Like your old white uncle. Well, I mean, Bill Murray has taken on the uncle role. Like, he's like the drunk uncle now. Yeah, but he was still, what was that, Groundhog's Day type era? Mm, yeah, yeah. So I, no, I couldn't see it. I couldn't see it. You're right. You're right, Bill. You're right. Uh, in regards to Michael Keaton being in that same boat, but I don't know. I guess maybe now that it's happened, I can kind of believe it more. But yeah, yeah. Um, no, no, that's crazy. Uh, and I'm glad that didn't happen. <laughs> so yeah. glad that didn't happen. I mean, I just can't imagine that casting. But at the same time, I mean. Burton was fighting for Keaton, and the execs were like, no, we don't want Keaton. We want somebody like Harrison Ford, Tom Selleck, or, you know, Mel Gibson. I mean, those would have been more studio standard for that Was role. this after Beetlejuice? This was after Beetlejuice. Okay. Yeah, so that's why he had that working relationship with uh, Keaton. What do you think, by the way? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just interesting. I mean, 
Very interesting. Uh, another thing that John Michael and I, I, you want you want me to call you John Michael or JM? What, what do you prefer? Uh, either one, just not John. Just not John. Why the disdain for John? Uh, it's just so. It's first of all, it's the most common Western name in the world. Okay. Do you know what the second most common Western name in the world is? No, what's that? It's Michael. Michael, John, and Michael, and your yeah. mom just just put, a put them name. both together. So you know what? You're double as common as most of these people say. Yeah, so I, I just would prefer both, if not JM. Okay, JM. Yeah. Okay, or John Michael. Uh, you know, another thing that uh, John Michael and I talk about is that, you know, Tim Burton was really not scared to cast actors who were traditionally not the race of that original character. Um, so with Billy D. Williams playing Harvey Dent, I thought that was a, you know, I, I didn't, I, I picture him as Harvey Dent as a kid, you know, and yeah. then especially with the animated series, you had the uh, light skin, you know, you know, African-American features on the animated version, mm -hmm. which was always interesting to me. I never thought as, of him as a white man in the uh, animated series. Yeah, because he didn't pop up. So Tommy Lee Jones <laughs> right. as, 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 a, as a, you know, a white guy. Right. Uh. Yeah, once again, that's Schumacher. It's not being <laughs> burdened for that one. No, you can't. Uh, you can't blame uh, him for that. But um, you know, kicking things off, you know, you are at this time. Batman is relatively unestablished in uh, Gotham City. You know, he is more of a um, myth. Myth. You know, they're talking about him in the newspaper. On the, the man news. bat. Yes. Uh, so this was also a great callback. Man bad. Yes. Especially in the animated series oh, yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, you know, you basically have um, uh, the reporter Alexander Knox and Vicki Vale, played by Kim Basinger, investigating this mass vigilante uh, that they're calling the Batman. Um, and, you know, this character is secretly, this mass vigilante is actually Bruce Wayne. Yeah. And uh, I think that. Uh, Tim Burton does a really good job of playing with these two characters. Uh, not a lot of directors can uh, balance both of them, but I really do think that uh, in this particular iteration of Batman, I think Michael Keaton does a good job of per performing as Bruce Wayne in Batman. A lot of times you'll see somebody play a good Bruce Wayne or right, a good yeah. Batman, and I think he gets the duality down. Um, I thought with Christian Bale's performance, I thought he did a really good job as the playboy Bruce Wayne, but left me wanting as Batman. I mean, what do you think? Oh, I'd say with Christian Bale, it's the opposite. I think he did a good Batman, uh -huh. not so good Bruce Wayne. Okay, and why did, why did you think that? Because his Batman had like the most physicality of any Batman to that, that point. That is true. Uh, he was he was actually using gadgets. He was you know jumping out of planes and stuff. That was all Batman. Mm -hmm. But his Bruce Wayne just didn't seem like... You know, he was supposed to be like a party boy. It was just, I can it's only maybe three scenes in the whole trilogy that I can think of where he's mm -hmm. actually playing to the part of Bruce Wayne. I feel mm -hmm. like they just gave up on Bruce Wayne <laughs> okay. being Bruce Wayne. It was just like he's mm -hmm. Batman just without the mask on now. Because, mm -hmm. yeah, and, and, you know, Michael Keaton, I, I, now that I think about it, it really didn't let him out too much to be Bruce Wayne. Um, mm. Except for, I guess, in, in the next movie. They well, in this one, they kind of, uh, Bruce Wayne is 
see now in modern times we know who our billionaires and millionaires are right. we know they're the face of x y and z uh in this one bruce wayne is more of a recluse he's kind of a nerd uh he's a young 30 something and he just really has very little social skills well also he's old money He's not yeah. like just oh my parents were tech conglomerates like right. the Wayne the Wayne fortune goes back to the founding of Gotham City right. so you know he he's rich without having to do anything mm-hmm. so to most people he has no skills and no mm-hmm. skill set uh, you know no actual practical application to be rich he just inherited it all right and you know in reality he's a genius he's a, the world's best detective mm-hmm. one of the world's best martial artists and, right and that is everything i need for them to put into batman for me to say this is a great batman mm-hmm. unfortunately the physicality of the 89 batman is where i think they fall off the most but then you have to also attribute that to the technology at the time of what they were able to do with the suit yeah, now sure. i mean it's that for rubber suit I mean, it, they did not actually get a Batman that could move his neck left to right <laughs> until 2008. Yeah. Okay. I mean, of course, Adam West's Batman could do it. Okay. The animated version of Batman could do it. But any of the live action Batmans, that rubber suit was very restrictive. And they had to actually turn their body left to right if they wanted to look left to right. So it was, the movement in the fight scenes were very clunky, uh, rigid. Yeah. 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 And that's, that, that's my one drawback. But... I don't know. I just look at other films from that time period, uh, mm-hmm. especially like the, you know, like the, even the older films like The Green Hornet. Okay. Uh, you see like uh, Bruce Lee just whooping ass. Uh, I don't think he needed the four rubber. I, I think that was the contextual image he liked, uh, Tim Burton liked, mm-hmm. that, just that sleek look, uh, which at that time was probably futuristic. And then you got into like the you know, Matrix type leather from superheroes and you see Blade and everybody else is doing this. But I don't know. I just feel like it, it was just stylistic for stylistic. He was willing to sacrifice the action and the fighting to make right. a stylistic choice. I think that stylistically, I think what it probably worked better is something along the lines of Ben Affleck's costume. Mm-hmm. More, it's more fiber. Yeah, yeah, puffier uh, yeah. to absorb. Yeah, you know, I think the materials just cloth you know kind of like the animated version yeah, know, yeah, his, yeah his outfit he has relatively little padding or anything like that just you know i gotta move around on the rooftop so this is what i gotta wear and you know i'm gonna rely on my wit and my gadgets to kind of deflect any kind of attacks that come toward me yeah but at that point in the movie for batman 89 you really don't get any backstory in regards sure. to how the suit gets made how any of this comes to pass he's just already in the midst of <laughs> being this phantom right so i guess alfred helps him just because i'm just saying because <laughs> in batman what is it not forever batman and robin remember alfred makes the suit for oh, for robin right? well batman forever yes he makes the suit for robin and then in for uh batman and robin, robin. he makes it for uh batgirl batgirl who's yeah. not Commissioner Gordon's daughter. And doesn't have a British accent, even though her Uncle Alfred has a British accent. Who's also her father. <laughs> Fuck you, Schumacher. What? <laughs> <laughs> this is very, very interesting. But, you know, basically at this time in 89, this is the introduction of like the mob bosses. So you have uh, Boss Grissom, uh, who notoriously is at odds with his right hand man. 
uh, Jack Napier, played by Jack Nicholson, who actually received top billing over Michael Keaton As for this, and then also <laughs> got residuals from the film. So Michael, I mean, Jack Nicholson made a lot of money from this film. As he should have. He was the headliner. He was like the big name that you, you stuck the time, on this movie yeah. to say, what am I going to do to sell this weird comic book movie right. in, a, in a time to, you know, to adults? Like this is, doesn't look like a children's movie. Mm-hmm. It's dark and it's grim. And it's this brooding millionaire who beats up criminals mm-hmm. at nighttime because his parents got murdered. Mm-hmm. Like he, they really sold the dark aspect of it. Mm-hmm. So they put Jack Nicholson in it and they say, you know, this is the guy from The Shining. You know, he's crazy. He's going to be the villain. <laughs> right. You know, so of course people are going to are going to flood to it because of that. Now tell me Beetlejuice is going to be the main character. Who's the, <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Mr. So Mom. It's going to, exactly. It's going to, it's going to, it's going to be like, okay, uh, okay, whatever. But no, uh, Jack Nicholson was a great choice. Excellent choice. Uh, and I don't think people, I think when he's, um, Joker came out, you know, people started ragging on Nicholson's uh, Joker, but I think Nicholson's Joker is appropriate for this film. He's he's a little bit buffoonish, but he still is a deadly killer. Yeah, it's still terrifyingly, even when he's being buffoonish, it's like, if you see, like, a murderer doing something silly, you're going to just be like, ha ha ha. Right. You're right. funny. But no, he, he, he does it like, uh, he just Every scene he's in, I can I can't even think of one scene where he's not doing his thing. Yeah, he steals a show, steals a scene in every scene that he's in. I mean, especially when you know we talk about the art gallery scene. I mean, that was. Uh, I'd say I'd say the scene where his introduction is just shuffling his cards, and mm-hmm. you know that's where you get the the start of he has right. this obsession with the Joker, and then he's having that you know that very tense conversation with the mob boss, and you get the. Get the sense he's cheating on the mob boss with or the the mob boss's girlfriend's cheating on him right. with with Jack. So you get this tense kind of standoff where you get the sense like this mob boss really depends on him. <laughs> he actually does a boss uh, Grissom. He actually goes to Jack and he's like, "Remember Jack, my number one." Yeah. And then Jack uses that line later towards Bob or whatever. And it was just so funny, just <laughs> ridiculous and how he basically just makes fun of the guy he just killed. You yeah. know? And and I, I love the scene where after they go to Ace Chemicals and he gets knocked into the vat of chemicals, which be- makes him become the Joker. Mm-hmm. And he's taking the bandages off. He's all frantic. And then right. he looks and it's just Jack Nicholson is just an incredible actor. As I, as I think of that yeah. scene with him just like screaming and laughing and then grabbing the doctor yeah that was a good scene i was actually terrified of that as a kid so basically what john michael was talking about boss grissom uh puts a hit out on jack for sleeping with his uh girlfriend and so uh there's a corrupt police officer that's supposed to take out jack at ace chemicals um jack ultimately falls into a vat of acid after uh he shoots um the corrupt police officer, um, Batman accidentally lets him slip into the acid. And then afterwards, you know, it's assumed that he's dead, but he you know, crawls out. And then he's trying to get help from um, a mob doctor. Yeah, just basically a rink dink. Because this is Gotham, doctor. which is corrupt. So, of course, they're just mob right. doctors. So, you know, when basically when you see a um, 
movie like Inglorious Bastards or something like that. Somebody gets shot. They go to the vet, vet, the veterinarian. This is essentially the same thing. You know, something bad happens to him. He can't go to an actual hospital. So he goes to this doctor who's in this like dark, foreboding basement with these horrible, archaic tools. Terrible sanitary conditions for surgery. Right, right. And he's like, as you can see, he says to him, you know, I did the best I could. As you can see, I have very limited tools to work with. And it's just these used scaffolds and blades. Yeah, (laughs) Tim Burton really does a good job of laying it on. And then, you know, Jack is like, mirror, mirror, I need a mirror. And he takes the mirror, he looks at himself, and he just starts laughing uncontrollably. He breaks the mirror. Yeah, he breaks the mirror, and he... You know, bandages on his hands and around his head still, you know, he runs up the stairs and he does that iconic laugh that he does. And I just thought that was a really great scene. Yeah, dope scene, dope scene. And the uh, prosthetics for the movie for the Joker was just super. I always was as a kid watching it, like, how do they do that? Like, did they tape his mouth up or something? Like, I did not get it. But truly, truly horrifying to see. Which also is my, probably my favorite line in the movie is when he's looking at her with that grin. He's just like, "Do I, do I look like I'm joking?" <laughs> well, you're talking about when they're at the uh, at the at the art gallery. Uh, yeah, yeah, and she's like, "Well," <laughs> and then you know, yeah. It, yeah, that that really was a good line as well because it's just a, a a fixed smile on his face. Right, he's telling her that he's going to kill everyone in Gotham, and she's like, "That's crazy." Ah. He's just like, does it, "Does it look like I'm joking?" Right. And uh, in order for him to semi blend in public, he has to actually paint his face right. with makeup. makeup, you know, essentially. And it's, it's I think the makeup job is really done yeah, both yeah. ways. I mean, you can tell this is not his natural skin tone. It's that's it's for an exaggerative effect. Mm. I think Tim Burton's costume people did a wonderful job of with that. I mean, you know, from top to bottom with, you know, the aesthetics of the film. Uh, But basically, after that, you know, the Joker basically comes up with a plot to, you know, poison the makeup. Yeah, Uh, which is is pure Joker from the comics. Yeah, poison everybody's makeup, like your foundation, um, you know, eyeliner, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, when they do like a newscast and news anchors. Terrifying. Look terrible i mean they don't they're not all made up and i think tim burton actually really does a good job of this you know just exposing um the corruption of gotham and uh, exposing what people actually quote unquote look like underneath you know the glitz and glamour he really makes gotham an ugly place yeah and uh just those scenes where you see the uh, effects of the joker toxin were terrifying as a kid for me to watch those people with those huge grins on their face and the big bug out eyes. And it was just like, wow, they're going there with this uh, this movie, huh? And yeah, I just remember them being able to, he was essentially killing people. I just remember that being terrifying to me. Uh, mm-hmm. That just being your fate, just with this huge grin stuck on your face. Right, right. And it was just pure Joker, like the way he would just like Jokerize fish and right, know, or right. poison the reservoir. Right. You know, and, and of course, with his, his grand plan with these huge balloons filled with Joker toxin, it's just right. like, that's so Joker. Like, stuff like that, I feel like Bur- I feel like Burton got the Joker way more than he got Batman. Okay, I will agree with that because, you know, the, you know, looking at it as a kid, you know, 
I didn't really understand it. But, you know, as an adult, it's like you bring all these people out. You know, Joker builds a quote unquote rapport with the people after he realizes, okay, well, I can't, you know, poison you with, you know, this makeup. But let me just give you money. Let me pretend to like you. And people, the people of Gotham are, you know, the underbelly of Gotham wants something more. They they, they don't care. You know, this shows the greed, the corruption. It shows the uh, how the mob bosses are crushing the little people. And, you know, even the Joker put something like that in his speech. You know, the little people, I have to actually look at the line. But, you know, he's dishing out this cash, having people fight over the cash. But then he's like, well, I'm going to poison you now. And he just oh, yeah. unleashes his toxin. He has a parade, a full-blown Prince parade, which is one of my favorite scenes in all. The art gallery scene and this this parade scene are just two of the greatest Batman scenes in all of, of Batman. Because yeah. they just, I don't know why Prince and the Joker just go together so the, well. The soundtrack is really good i mean those particular songs that they choose for the movie are really good i mean great i mean it's just amazing that tim burton's like yeah i want prince to do my soundtrack and not only do i want him to put, do my soundtrack i'm going to include those songs into the film in the film and it's like you got to remember this is late 80s prince this is assless chaps prince <laughs> this is guitar with the symbol prince like Sex God, I'm going to rename girls Carmen Electra when I see them. It's just mm-hmm. like he was Abalonia, like all this crazy <laughs> mystical stuff he was into. And yes, he teamed up with the oh my bad, he teamed up with the king of of weird when it came to cinematics. Like, and, and they make a great combination. Um, I'm sad I never got to see anything else with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 amazing. Those I love those two scenes and him shooting out the bat bat wing with that. Huge gun, <laughs> the gun, the, the that barrel, off that ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, he had to pull it out his entire pant leg. But that, that to me, really encapsulated the Joker. Yeah, I Joker mean, weapons. Yeah, teeth yeah. that bitch. Yeah, yeah, I mean that 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 was so comical and funny. He had this. So, just imagine this: the uh, an aircraft is coming at you at. 80, no, not 80, like hundreds of miles an hour or whatever. And then you look at it and you stare stare it down and then you <laughs> you pull out this little tiny pistol that you think out of your pants, but no, no, it keeps extending and extending the barrel super long. And then when he shoots it out, it's like a cannon yeah. and it hits the uh, bat wing and it puts it out of commission and it just crashes into the foot of a church. Yeah, that's the Joker. Like, when was the last time we saw the, the asset lapel? flower oh yeah and it's just like yeah they didn't care like tim burton like the 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 the, the gun with the with the put, punching uh the glove on it like that kind of stuff like where, 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 where do you see that and the fact that tim burton's like yes i want to make the gun with the with the punch of the, the boxing glove on it <laughs> it springs out right like he did that. You said the acid lapel. He also did the the gun with Bang. Oh well. yeah, yeah, yeah. And when they're up in the uh, Belfry, yeah, you know, iconic so. Joker. And that was a good scene as well, where they're basically waltzing or dancing with the devil in pale moonlight. Yes, <laughs> I mean it's very <laughs> that that scene is really good. While Batman is facing all of Joker's henchmen, trying to get to. Uh, uh, Vicky Vale because the Joker had kidnapped her. 
very, very uh, video game type. Like you had to fight all through all the, the henchmen and then to get, get to the to boss. Peach and Bowser yeah, exactly. and the castle, yeah. And then you knock them off. Right. Uh, but yeah, and I, th- I think it's very important to also bring up that in this movie, the Joker is responsible for the death of, of uh, the Waynes. Right. The one who, who kills them in so the alleyway. So it does change canon. Yeah, very drastically changes right. canon. And uh, funny enough, you know, in a way, they change it back in the Joker standalone film. <laughs> it's just like, he's responsible. But no, and then the actor, I always loved the actor they got, who played a uh, young Joker who looks uh, very spot on for... I'm a young Jack Yeah, Nicholson. Jack Nicholson. I always like, how, was, how did, was his son or something? like <laughs> The legitimate son out there. Yeah, because that he guy looks was just... More like- Jack Nicholson's son than Jack Nicholson's actual, actual son. son. Yeah, yes. yeah. And it's crazy because I would see him in things and I'd be like, no, no, that's the guy who looks like Jack Nicholson. Right. No, no, yeah. Uh, I love, I, 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 it's so weird because I didn't realize how much that pissed off comic book people because, mm-hmm. you know, internet didn't exist or YouTube didn't exist. So right. People can bitch and moan about it. But I would say this is the only Batman film where it was a necessity to have the backstory of Bruce Wayne's parents getting killed. Because everybody knows how Bruce Wayne's parents get killed. So I don't even think that uh, Nolan really needed it in Batman Begins. Definitely not in the Snyderverse um, again. And definitely not in Joker. That is the most... The movie The Joker is all told from Arthur's perspective. That one scene is not told from Arthur's perspective. And that lets me know the studio was like, well, you got to put in how Martha and Thomas Wayne were killed. I'm like, why? We I can, know. I can imagine them going to the studios and like, we would like to use the young Bruce Wayne, mm-hmm. but we don't want it to be anything Batman related. And they're like, okay, sure. Yeah. And they're like, no, seriously, we don't want to do anything with Batman right. or anything with his origin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead, use them. <laughs> and then at the 11th hour, they're like, oh, by the way, That's- we're going to need a scene <laughs> with the Wayne's getting murdered. That's exactly what I because that's what exactly what I think happened because it's just so out of place in yeah. the whole movie. It's like that whole mob scene at the end was just After supposed to be that, and then it was going to straight to him to the psych ward or whatever. I don't even know if the psych ward was even straight to black. After I, I, the, think, I think that's what it was originally, just him on the yeah, car yeah, yeah. basking in the glory, and I think that was it. But then they added the scene with the Waynes and then they added that final scene where he's in the psych ward. I'm like, these don't seem like they go with the rest of the movie. Because they needed to put the end dot dot dot. Right. No, yeah, and they now gotta... you hear that they're potentially doing a sequel. Cash cow. Yes. Uh, but yeah, they, <laughs> it, that's what happens with DC. They become so 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 starved for, for hits that right. when something does hit, it's like, okay, this is what we need to focus on now. Yes, but no. Uh, we we talked about how they need to focus on their villains, but uh, yeah, I think Burden nails the Joker, mm-hmm. spot on, just incredibly set. Like he sets the tone because before then we were going off Caesar Romero's uh, right. overly you know animated, clown-ish. super clownish. Wouldn't shave his mustache. Refuse the bastard refused to shave his mustache like. I will never forgive Cesar Romero for not just shaving the <laughs> damn mustache. Because after someone said it to me, mm-hmm. I could never unsee it. Like, I could never look at him and not see that damn mustache on his face. And it's just like, okay. But no, coming off the, the hills of that, he made the Joker scary again. He made the Joker a formidable, the formidable Batman foe. And, right. and 
you know, going off the hills, Heath Ledger got announced. People were pissed because they were like, Jack Nicholson made this yeah. role. You're going to destroy it. Yeah. yeah and was... then coincidentally, when Leto got announced, people were thrilled and was just like, he's going to do so great. And then he kind of dropped the ball because of the studio's right. interpretation. And do you think uh, Leto got a little bit of redemption in the Snyder version? Absolutely. I, I would have loved to have seen more of him in that. But yeah, it's a little bit of redemption, a little glance at what we possibly could have had, like an edgy, really dark, crazy Joker. Uh, but yeah, he, and it's almost like a different Joker in itself compared to the Suicide Squad Joker. Right. Uh, right. But yeah, it's, it's, it's always fascinating thinking about what, the role of the Joker has been, and it definitely did start with Jack Nicholson putting the bar so high. True, and then Lee Heath Ledger saying, "Oh, I've been entrusted with this this iconic role. I can't drop the ball." And then Leto wanted to do something with it. Joaquin is just such a crazy actor that, of course, he was going to do something crazy with it. Right. And for what it was, it I, I hope they leave it alone. Just leave it. Let it. They're not. Uh, I mean, they're just reports that came out talking about Todd Phillips has, you know, been been hired by WB to, you know, start a new screenplay. I mean, we can all say we wouldn't have done it, but once you see that that garbage truck full of money pull up at your at your house, they had a sixty five million dollar budget and made over a billion dollars on Joker. So. Yeah, I wonder in those pitch meetings, they just bring him in a room with like all the money on the table, and it's just like. You can definitely not take the money, or you can take the money. But like, the I'll thing the was, money. I wonder if he's going to get the same deal that he got beforehand because they WB did not believe in the Joker movie. Yeah. So with Todd Phillips was like, he was basically like, "Look, okay, I'm just a hangover director. So this is what I'll do. I won't take a salary really. I'll just get everything off the back end. So if you can imagine this film making sixty five being you know budgeted for 65 million dollars mainly really to pay joaquin phoenix mm. and then todd phillips get gets the film to make over a billion dollars he's making bank making bank yeah, because absolutely. he's got a percentage and i wonder if wb is going to allow him to do that again they're no. like no no we'll just give you 50 million he's yeah. like well why would i get 50 million when i made over a hundred million dollars because we know what we have now right which he actually was the smart one in making that move because the joker is going to be a cash cow regardless let alone a standalone movie mm-hmm. uh it, it's going to make it's going to get asses in seats regardless like right. even if it looks weird we're still going to look at it uh Shit, I watched the the Harley Quinn movie just to see if there was a dab of the Joker in there. And, you know, it, it was a, uh, a shot of someone pretending to be the Joker's backside. But no. Well, yeah, I don't... That movie was... You can tell that was hacked to the bone by the studio as well because just the relationship between Victor Zaz and uh, Black Mask Black just Mask. didn't make, make sense. It's like... You knew they were originally supposed to be some kind of couple, yeah. but they just had this uncomfortable relationship throughout the film because that was obviously edited out. Because what I hear was the reason why uh, he wanted to initially kill Harley Quinn was because he she had killed one of his lovers. Yeah, exactly. And I'm just like, why didn't you stick with that? You're making a rated R film. People are old enough and grown enough to you know understand what a same sex relationship. Right. Was we'll show a murderer an entire family on screen, <laughs> right? But having a boyfriend, no, 
Yeah, so that movie was not good. I I mean Batman 89 is a masterpiece that always is going to have a, a high place of honor in my mind, just nostalgia-wise, mm-hmm. as well as just something that, that can be easily watched. Right. Um, if you're a fan of art, architecture, like the, the amount of gothic architecture in that the movie. The art just, deco is just uh, beautiful. It's, it's, every scene is just such a masterpiece. It makes you, it made you really feel like even if you lived in an ordinary apartment in Gotham City, it'd mm-hmm. still have some sort of historical looking cool motif. Like uh, in the next movie, when you see Selena Cow's apartment, it's still in this, like this high rise. Mm-hmm. With, uh, it's just crazy. I love the way they look, make every single room just look like its own set. Right. No, I, th- I think, um, like I said, I think Burton does an excellent job. He had a vision for this, and this is what I like about young visionaries because he's in his early 30s at right. the time. Um, I like where he goes, used to go, with um, his overall just artistic interpretation of the story elements that he's given, mm-hmm. uh, particularly, like I said, with Pee Wee's Big Adventure, uh, Beetlejuice, um, Batman. Big Fish and Edward Scissorhands in particular. And I just wish he had that same creative genius that he had in the late 80s and early 90s and up until Big Fish, I think, you know, 2000. Yeah, that's what happens. You kind of lose. I don't know. I think when you're when you're when you're creating at such a high level like Burden is and such a just a master of your reality, when you have to deal with the Hollywood, you know, money people, it really just makes you jaded right and i feel like that's what happens he has these great ideas for movies and then the studios put their two cents in mm-hmm. and even with as much creative control that he you know haggles in his contracts mm-hmm. they still put their fingerprints on it they sure. still say you have to hit this you know beat you have to hit this beat you have to make action figures so you have to do this so you want to make a video game so you have to do this right. and he, he he's in a sense beholden he can't just make his complete visual because they know it's going to be a burden master blockbuster um so unfortunately it feels like he's kind of competing against his own name so so he's trying to make smaller movies like uh like he was able to do with big fish Mm -hmm. it was just like or uh big eyes uh, where it was just a self-contained story about a woman who painted who based off true story Mm -hmm. uh but it just wasn't what people it just wasn't what people expected right. from the name. I've, I've actually never seen Big Eyes. I think we talked about that a little bit. Yeah, and at the time, watching it, I was very disappointed because I was just like, this isn't Burden. But I, <laughs> I, I realized like after a while, I was just like, this is just Burden trying to be a regular filmmaker. <laughs> like Just trying to, without all the, you know, just letting the paintings be the over-the-top part. Yeah, um... I don't know. What film do you think we should do next? Do you still want to do Scissor Hands or? Because uh, I, I, I mean, we can always do your Sleepy Hollow. What, what do you want to do? Uh, do go into how people love Batman and then didn't like Batman Returns? Or yeah, we could we could do Batman Returns. Well, okay, I guess I guess it makes sense since we you know following up on Nolan and his. Uh. Dark two of his dark night. Next is gonna be our shoemaker series. <laughs> I'm joking, Eric. I'm joking. Okay. No, no, I do no. want to talk about eventually get to like Michael Bay 
in the awesomely bad movies that we uh, the racist Transformer movie. Sure, why not? We can start off with uh, Armageddon. But okay, you gotta admit that you like like the Rock. The Rock was a good movie. I like the Rock and I like Armageddon. I won't lie about that. The Rock is more of a guilty pleasure. Pleasure. I full on like Armageddon. I won't. I won't Jeff. Okay, okay. It's probably reverse for me. Armageddon is a guilty pleasure (laughs) of how bad it is and how dumb it is. But it's so entertaining. It is super entertaining. But The Rock, I think, is a good film for young Nick Cage uh, and Sean Connery. Sean Connery. Those are the two. And then Ed Harris is the bad guy with shades of gray. Um, <laughs> a, I like, I like. Uh, Good speed. You know, that you know name the name is a derivative of Godspeed, Godspeed, which means good journey. <laughs> yes. If you fancy a journey. I would never trust him. <laughs> and I'll tell you what the microfilm is. Right. No, but the, yeah, in Armageddon, I don't know, Armageddon, I think it's a better ensemble cast. You got Billy Bob Thornton, you got... You got a Ben Affleck. Bruce you got Willis. Bruce Willis. You got a Steve Michael, Buscemi. You got Marco Clark Duncan. Oh my gosh! Yes, uh, uh, Liv Wilson, Lip Tyler, Tyler. Uh, Owen Wilson. Owen Wilson. Yeah. Yes. Being classic, Owen Wilson. We're gonna go up to the rocket and we're gonna pull it up, man. It's very cool. It's just a great ensemble cast. Yeah, I think we should do some Michael Bay. We will do. We have to do it now. Now that you said something <laughs> about that, the absolutely. Descent of Michael Bay. And who knows? Might even get a little Schumacher in there. But uh, why, <laughs> why do you keep throwing Schumacher, Just a in, Schumacher there? in there? Just Schumacher in there. No, we are not doing Schumacher. <laughs> you got to take the good with the bad, folks. Oh man, that is definitely the bad, folks. <laughs> no, really. Uh, but yeah, if if everything went went as planned, Tim Burton might have went off the rails with this. So uh, Sean Wayne's Robin. Yeah, that's really interesting that he wanted to cast Sean Wayne. Don't like that. But Sean, what did you know that he? I still mean, Marlon gets paid? Wayne. Marlon Wayne. Yeah, Marlon Wayne. Did you know he still gets paid uh, from that? No, because they they cast him originally. They said, okay, we're going to have to take you out, but he still gets royalties. Oh. from the fact that he wasn't in Batman every time that's Batman plays. So you know what? That's a nice little check to be yeah, sitting. Free on. check, like, right? A role that he didn't even reprise. And I was like, okay. So they have to pay him as well as Kevin um, um, O'Connell. Chris O'Donnell. Chris, o- Chris O'Donnell, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's that's nice. Yeah. Nice little check. Yeah, I'll take it. Um, but, yeah, uh, I look forward to going into more uh, Burden movies and, you know, just directors in general. We also got to do Tarantino. Yeah, we're definitely going to have to start off with uh, Pulp Fiction. Or do you want to start off with Reservoir Dogs? Uh, we can do I'm not going to announce anything on the air, just like I, I mean, did with that was his hands. We got, we've got to do Glorious Bastards. That's my movie. Yeah, do Django. We have to do. You didn't care for the Hateful Eight as much. Uh, as I, I, I'm going. I'll tell you what. I will rewatch it, but I'm going to rewatch it the next Netflix version. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah, I'll like that more. Yeah, yeah I like that. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I think tarantino makes films that need to be like either in two parts or four hours long yeah and then he gets confined the studio's like yeah you're gonna have to chop that down to like two hours but with these streaming services i hope that he releases more uh even i hope they like even go back and reshoot some stuff so you can see you know what he planned to have more additional content in. i would like to see the unedited the tarantino cut of uh Django. yeah because there's there are a lot of different scenes that aren't in the movie and then particularly a scene where zoe bell's character was supposed to play a significant role where she 
has a handkerchief across her face, but it's revealed that she doesn't even have a lower jaw oh. or something like that. So uh, that that well, wasn't was actually so- that. shot, but um, you know, I would love love to have an extended uh, Tarantino version of that and Inglorious Bastards. As well. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Glorious Bastards could have been a mini series on its own. But I look Probably forward, should have been. Yeah, absolutely. And I look forward to getting into um, Tarantino because he's one of my favorite directors. And yeah, if you guys want to hear us talk about any films in particular, any kind of filmmakers also, or maybe even actors, mm-hmm. uh, we are not above doing actor series. So yeah, hit us up. You know where to find us. Facebook, Urban Alchemy Podcast, or email us, UrbanAlchemyPodcast mm-hmm. at gmail.com. Uh yeah, that, that's pretty much all I have. Uh, overall rating, what would you give Batman eighty nine? Give that eight out of ten. I would give it a. I'd say eight and a half. Eight and a half. Okay, that's good. I'd probably go there as well. I, I'd say just because of the lack of actual Batmaning that gets done in the movie. <laughs> the lack of actual Batmaning. Yes, Batmaning consists of lurking on roofs. Mm-hmm. Uh, disappearing when people are talking to you, mm-hmm. uh, kung fu, mm-hmm. and detective work, and there okay. was very few, very little, if any, of of you know that. There's no, there's very little Batmaning in The Dark Knight Rises. I mean, he doesn't even make his appearance to the halfway through the film, and then he goes from Batman to just being like some weird yeah. slave of Bane's. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he does detective work though. He does kung fu. Mm-hmm. I'm sure Gordon talks to him at one point. And he disappears when he turns around. <laughs> so it's a whole lot more Batmaning. Don't okay. you argue with me? Don't argue with me. Regards this. Okay. Batman is very important in these movies, and, and Burton had the beautiful aspect of everything. And I can't wait to. Oh, no, we're not going to talk about the Schumacher films. Was about to say his, I mean, his, if you really want to go there, don't make it sound like we. I really want to talk about it. I, I mean, mean, we can lump them. Why don't we just do an episode where we lump both for, of them yeah. together? Because I don't think forever is as bad. Forever is not really as bad. I just would like to see the director's cut version because it was more dark. It was yeah. uh, a little bit. It seemed like a better concept, but Batman and Robin—that's the fool. Schumacher. No, straight up. And yeah, I always hated the titling of them. I felt like the next one should have been Batman and Robin, and then the last one should have been Batman Forever. Mm-hmm. Because you had Batman and Robin and Batgirl in this movie. So right. it's like a family. So it's forever. It's mm-hmm. going to go. But no, Batman and Robin, even though there's an extra goddamn. Whatever. Whatever. I don't know. I'm ranting. I'm ranting. Right. Take us out, Eric. Well, we really like to thank you all for your continuous support. We really appreciate it. Uh, you know, continue to follow us, like, subscribe, share the show, uh, and let us know if there are any reviews that you'd like to see, uh, you know, or hear. Uh, we definitely want to continue to try and, you know, appease our audience and as well as, you know, potentially make content for YouTube as well. Um, So, you know, just let us know. We really value your feedback. And, you know, until next time. Yeah, straight up. Thank you all for joining us today. And, yeah, music for the episode is going to be brought to us by our old friends here at Midwest Saloon. The song Record Set. So be sure to check them out. Link in the description. And check out all the other artists we have contributing music on our Spotify playlist, Urban Alchemy Playlist. So, yeah, I hope you all are doing great out there. You all stay safe and stay blessed. We'll catch you all later. Peace.
Living like 